Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, here it is, our last episode of 2019. This week we are talking to Tom Crucier. Now Tom was the front man for a fairly obscure, unfortunately, great rock band, I guess, new wave sort of rock band from the mid-80s called Life by Night. Now if you know them, it might be from this song right here, Phone to Phone. This is a great song. Um, in fact, if you're an avid Stranger Things watcher, it appeared in season three. Uh, we talk a little bit about that in here. So now Tom did a lot of other things, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. But the original idea here was that I was going to seek out some people, some guests, and put together a series that I was calling One and Done. Now, you know, people who only really had that one major label album come out. I had four guests lined up. All of them said yes. And then everybody but Tom sort of disappeared all of a sudden. And I thought rather than waiting for Tom, wait, making Tom wait for me to get the other guys on the hook and get this series put together, let's just put Tom's episode out there. Now there's a lot of things to talk about. Number one, Tom's brother Juan Crucier plays in Rat. And so we talk a lot about Rat in here. Tom, back in the 70s, played for a little bit with Santana, which doesn't come up in this conversation. He also played on a Scorpions album. He played on a Dokken album, which is interesting because if you listen to this song right here, Phone to Phone, it doesn't sound anything like those bands. So he's a guy that can really do a lot of different things. Eventually, as music sort of petered out, he went and did other things, and he talks about that in here too. Really, really interesting guy with some fantastic stories, and I hope you guys will rediscover Life by Night and Phone to Phone, okay? I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I did. He's a really super sweet guy. Call me from his home in LA. Well, look, let's, uh, since, I mean, you've done a lot of other things and I want to touch on some of the other stuff on your resume, but let's start with Life by Night. How did you guys even come together? How'd you get discovered? How'd you get signed to Manhattan? How did it go from being nothing into being something? I was hanging out in in Redonda Beach, living in Redonda Beach and writing a bunch of music. And I was I was actually playing bars around LA, you know, and playing with this band called Romeo at the time, Roger Romeo and Bobby Blosser. Mm. And yeah. And then we did a whole tour. When I got back into into town and I we can go into the tour thing later, but when I got back into town, I, I was just got in a writing mode, and I just uh, I went looking for musicians, and I was playing in this bar, and all and this drummer was sitting in, and all of a sudden I looked back, and it's this guy, and he sounded really good, and that mm. was Brian Hit, mm. and then I talked to him about um, maybe doing something, and he heard some of my music that I was writing, and he really liked it, so we wanted to start something. And then he mm -hmm. said that he had a friend, guitar player called, his name was uh, Stuart Mathis. So he came and we, us three, we jammed and it really came together really quickly. And really? I was really pleased that, yeah, the groove was just happening and they love the songs, which is the main thing. I wanted them to really like what we were doing. Yeah. Let me ask you about that for a minute, because my understanding is that you come from more of like a, a heavy metal background. You mentioned uh, Blotzer. You you played, I believe, or your brother Juan is a member of Rat, 
or was right and i yeah. think maybe you you yeah. played with Dawkin, i believe and um, yeah so you come from this heavy metal background but life by night i don't found anything like that i know i know and and this is by the way when i got back from europe i mean this is after i also played on the scorpions blackout record yes i wanted to mention that too yes a lot which so i was kind of you know and and then actually after that i did a record with frankie benelli and Vic regat in scotland (laughs) down Uh, to the bone I love that album. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a killer record, man. It is. It's and, so I have so, yeah. I, so let me tell you a quick story. That album uh, indirectly um, inspired me starting this podcast four and a half, almost five years ago because I don't collect vinyl. Huh. And this one day, uh, and I don't do it on purpose because I don't trust myself that I wouldn't just spend every penny that my wife and I have on vinyl records. But um, I, I, once in a great while, I would go into a record store just to kind of be around the music and everything. And I went, I live in yeah. Denver, and I went to this one here that's now closed. Oh. And, and I'm just <clears throat> thumbing through the racks and looking at strange album after strange album that I've never heard of before. And, and I pick up the Vic Vergat record, and I'm thinking, where in the world is this guy now? This crazy cover, this <laughs> the, with the hairy chest and the flames, and I'm just yeah. like, where in the where do people like this go? And I just got so <laughs> fixated on that idea that I thought I've got to start yeah. a podcast or something where I can ask that very question. And so that's kind of what inspired this even happening. Anyway, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you should actually contact Vic. He's. I think I tried once in... twice. I don't know how. Maybe you can uh. point me in the right direction. Yeah, well, you know, I can I can provide that to you. Good, let's um, do it. Personally. Okay. Actually, the Life by Night record ha- does have some heavy stuff mm-hmm. influence to to me and Fee Waybill, by the way, uh, from the Tubes, who was uh, who who's a DJ for um, uh, MTV at the time. Yeah, he said this to me. He says, "Man, your record sounds like a cross between heavy metal and punk." And new wave, what what the heck is it? What the fuck is it? So I said, well, I like everything you said, so it is that. 
So anyway. Fee is yeah, one of my favorite so, people in the whole world. I've had him on the oh show. Man, there he, is no one like Fee. He is so cool. Yeah. We were in New York part we were in New York partying together. Uh-huh. And I'll share this with you. And okay. we were going we went out and and there was this bar over there, the mint, I think it was called or something. I can't remember. And I was gonna go to my hotel and he handed me this joint. And as he's handing me the joint, the freaking thing falls. And it, you know how they have those things and you can't get to it and you and it's way down it's a floor down. And I'm looking at the joint going, Oh shit, it's way down there. So he he laughs at me and he goes, Dude, it's okay, here's another one. <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was of course at the time it was killer stuff, but you know. Yeah, I bet. Anyway, but he said that he said all he said. Yeah, it's a cross between all that stuff, and you know, after having been uh, on tour, uh, opening up for Nazareth and Joe Mm. Perry Project, and uh, all those guys, I had a taste of heavy metal, of course, you know. But honestly, but John, honestly, I'm going to go back all the way to when I was really writing a bunch of music with George Marinelli, who's one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. He plays he plays with Bonnie Raitt, of course. Yep. yep. And he's he's been he plays with everybody. He's one he of my Bruce hero Hornsby guitar players. Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Yeah. 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 He and I he and I in the early we met in the early seventies. And we wrote music, he and I together, we wrote a bunch of stuff. We almost got signed to A&M, and I can't remember who else wanted to sign us. And it was a kind of a sad situation because at the last minute it didn't work out, Mm. and you know how that goes, and musicians and deals and contracts and managers. Eh, Anyway. It happens. Which is a reason, yeah, it does, and which is a reason I went back to school, by the way. Oh, I didn't realize you know? that, okay. Anyway, but he and I started writing music, George and I, and that's where my pop sort of feel comes from, mm-hmm. in the in the 70s, throughout the 70s, until like, we were writing together until like 76, 77, 78, around there, wow. and uh, and then You've we parted away. you Tom. I know. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> I know, man. I know. And I'm yeah. still going to, but Yeah, good. We'll but anyway, that. so that's where my kind of my pop thing mm-hmm. came from. And then I was influenced by heavy metal just because my brother Juan and Rick were like constantly playing this heavy metal shit mm-hmm. every day. Then I was just subjected to it. And I got to like it, of course. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sure. Okay. But when you wanted, when you went out to create your own band, Life by Night, where you sort of, there are some like AOR, you know, flourishes within it, but it's especially phone to phone is, you know, that could have been, I don't know, that could have been any one of the popular new wave bands at the time, you know? Yeah. I got really great reviews, by the way. I bet you did. A lot of stations. A lot of stations were playing it. There was like eighty mm. something stations playing it at the time when it came out. Great. And uh, Fitzgerald Hartley, who was managing me at the time, who managed the Tubes, uh, and there you go. Um, <laughs> Paul McCartney and Dave Pack, who I still have a relationship with. He and I were we played together in the early seventies. Really. Anyway, 
Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. I know. I play with. Huh. <laughs> I'm like the guy that plays with, with everybody. That. Yeah, it sounds um, like it. Yeah. So it's phone to so, phone. That's the main. Manhattan signed you, which that I'll never forget that label because that cool logo they had, and uh, you know, know. Richard Marks yeah. and Kenny Rogers and people yeah. were on that label yeah. at the time. And yeah. Uh, yeah. phone to phone, I guess, is that the big first single? Like we're launching this new band and. This is the one? We got together. We got together. Bruce Garfield, by way of Bruce Lumbo, who's the guy that signed me. I was playing at Madame Wong's. Mm. And it's it's a really a cool story because um, we were we had finally gotten to the point where we were getting a lot of interest in L.A. And we were playing the Madame Wong's and the Madame Wong West and, and then Chinatown. And then we were playing here and playing there. And Bruce Lumbo that was starting Manhattan records came to see us at Madame Wong's and just loved it. Mm. And we were being managed by kind of a foot in foot out sort of by Fitzgerald Hartley. Janie Hoffman was her name. Mm. Um, she was her first try at managing a band, but she was like PRing for fee and, and um, all those guys that were with, um, mm. Fisher Hartley. Okay. So, but anyway, but anyway, so, so he signed us on the strength of phone to phone and on the strength of another song that on that record called Angel. Nowadays, actually, which is on my music supervisor that I have now, has been getting tons of hits. Really? And it's currently, it's yeah, it's currently in a folder that I think maybe might get in some kind of movie project or something. Who knows? Really? We'll see. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know that. I'm jumping all around. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's how but, we do it. So, were, so yeah. was there a follow-up single then to Phone to Phone? Was there something else that came no. out mm. No. It was, uh, it was uh, Phone to Phone came out. We got tons of airplay on, on the radio. And then also MTV was running mm. our video that we did um, mm. in downtown LA. We got yeah. a really good budget for that. Nice. Uh that was when when the budgets were nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Were you uh, yeah, were you going I... on tour with anyone we would know at that time? 
Yeah. When, did or, you open for somebody on, you know, the police or whatever? Oh, oh, oh. at Life by Night, unfortunately, no. It, oh, which really? is really sad, you know? Yeah, it is. We did a few shows. We did some shows at a place called Sash in the Valley, San huh. Fernando Valley. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, and then we continued to play Madame Wong's, and I think we did a, a show at Santa Monica Pier, and a few shows around town, but we never went on the road, and, and we never really worked the record as maybe we should have. What, and, what was the thinking you know, there? Isn't that what everybody does? Well, like, you, you go out and open for the no, cars, or Depeche Mode, or I know. whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly, and and that should have been the call, but I and I thought, you know, our managers at the time were just, you know, dropped the ball, honestly. Yeah. They really did drop the ball, and I know that um, some people feel bad about that, and yeah. I, I, I know that firsthand, yeah. But I mean, we could have we could have gone out and worked out record, and you know, maybe yeah. gotten another record deal, another record out of it. Because uh, and then Manhattan after that dropped us, oh. and that was my big downfall. I know I was devastated. I really was devastated, John. And then that after that was when I decided to go back to school. Okay, boy, I have so many questions because this, I just I am so confused by the thinking within record labels yeah. sometimes they they find you guys they you you're all really good looking <laughs> you write great songs you've got bro, a brother who is a successful musician right now you've got you're hitting on a he sound sang. yeah he actually one actually sang on phone to phone your brother is Juan is the one singing phone to phone no he no I sang with you on phone. Okay. Yes, the background. Really? No way. (laughs) See, Uh, man, like all the makings are there. And so why sign a band and then even pay for the video and bother to get phone to phone on the radio and then not do anything? Are you just, as a a group, are you just sitting there like, okay, "Okay, is this all there is? When's the next step happen? So, So, John, some of what happened at the time, and I'm sure that you've heard about this, is the payola period? Yeah, I wonder. Where did you hear? Did you hear about that? Well, you yeah, I mean, happened. it happens to everybody, sure. And I wondered if that was the yeah. deal. Like maybe they weren't, you know, payolaizing. Well, what happened was that a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of uh, uh, DJs were getting busted yeah. because, and, and so they were being paid to play, but not playing. Mm-hmm. And so we got caught in the middle of all that. And we had, as I mentioned, 80 something stations yeah. playing our record at moderate rotation. But, and then you have to have like a hundred at the time, 130 mm. something stations for for the tour, mm. excuse me, for the tour to be successful or whatever, meaningful. And so that didn't happen. Uh, and uh, it was really frustrating because the, the label did invest. I mean, it was, it was a two hundred and fifty thousand deal, dollar yeah. deal. Yeah, and and twenty five, thirty, I think, percent, um, thousand dollars on a video. Oh, it was crazy, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So when it didn't go anywhere, and um, after the label dropped us, you know, the musicians that I was using were 
top of the line, like Brian yeah. and Stewart, especially those two guys, you know, Brian with R- REO since yeah. who knows when. Right. And Stuart Mathis playing with the Wallflowers and mm-hmm. now some some blues player. I can't think of her name. Lucinda mm-hmm. something or another. Oh, OK. And so wow. I knew that these guys were going to were going to be doing something because they they're just really good players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after I had lost my deal, I lost my players as well. So yeah. that's uh, when I was oh. devastated and went back to school, like I said. And then I went back to school. <laughs> And I got asked to start playing with the Turtles. <laughs> really? Flo and Eddie. Like the, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I played with Flo and Eddie for uh, the... Okay, so they had two bands. They had the East Coast Band and the West Coast Band. Huh. So I started playing with the West Coast Band, doing all the gigs from L.A. to Vancouver, all the way up to Denver. Wow. Uh, all those areas, you know... Yeah. The West Coast. We I played with those guys for eighteen years. You you played with Same Flo day. and Eddie for eighteen years. Yeah. Wow. I had no I idea. Know. Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, let's. Yeah. I mean, no offense, Tom. There's not a ton of information about Life by Night out there, so I'm kind of piecing it together from I what know. I can no. find. And and I to me, it's like, well, then what happens after Life by Night ends? I don't see anything else. Where does, does he just, you know, go to a regular job? But no, you, you had a, you know, a job, you had a job, a steady one for 18 years. That's crazy. Yeah. 18 years I was playing bass with them going out, maybe, especially in the, in the summertime, we were from the summer to a bunch of time, um, New Year's gigs. We had a regular gig at, at Las Vegas at the Hilton for a while. So I was going to school and then playing with the turtles. So I was taking my my studies on the road. <laughs> what, what, were you, just, what school were you going to? What were you studying? I finished my bachelor's uh-huh. and started my um, graduate work at Long Beach State. Uh, <laughs> studied social work and I got my master's in social really? work. Really? Oh, uh-huh. That is wild. Wow. Yeah. So when yeah, Flo and Eddie it, finally comes to an end, then what? It, it was I played with them until 2008. Oh my god! With Flo and Eddie, and then that's when they started the Happy Together tours mm-hmm. that they have been doing for for a while now. And then they got they hired the same band to play behind all these different acts. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you know, I just subbing a lot of sub work. I did some Iron Butterfly stuff. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Playing bass with okay. them, yeah. Uh, just one, just one gig, uh, a few, few nights at this place. Wild. Yeah, and Robert Tepper yeah. and some stuff with him. I just talked yeah. to Robert uh, a few weeks ago. He's one of my favorite people yeah. as well. I love Robert. I didn't realize you two played together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I've done a few gigs with Robert. And Pablo Padilla, their guitar player, has yeah. played on some of my has played on some of my stuff that I I have a studio here at home, and I've been um, investing in it and finally getting it to the point where I really like what I'm getting out of there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I think what I'm getting out of there finally is I can I can say that it can match up to 
pretty much anything that's out there. Really? Kind of, uh, yeah. production-wise. And it takes, you know, it's good because it's here and I can just go in there whenever I feel uh, motivated and um, inspired. Yeah. So Are you talking it, it like a nice, so yeah. solo album or what? what's your thinking? I actually don't have a, a solo album out. I have... I have maybe 30 or something, 35 new songs that I've written. This year I've been, I have maybe 10 new songs that I've written that I am proud of. Yeah. Where are they going to go? What are you going to do with them? So I have this um, website that I belong to. Um, It's called musicsupervisor.com for anybody that really Mm. has got some tunes and they want to have them out there. There's a lot of uh, different websites. There's another one called Hit License, I think it's called, and a bunch of sites where you can put your music. And some sites, you, you, if you have a song and you think that it might fit with a particular project, movie, or TV show, then you uh, subscribe. You know, you hmm. submit it to that. Yeah. And this particular one that I have, I just put up all my songs and different kind of producers and directors whatever uh people looking for music will go there to find stuff and that's how recently they found uh phone to phone and that got that got on uh stranger things that's what i thought Um, i heard yeah that had to have mm -hmm. been i mean what a those guys so here from what i understand i watched the first season of stranger things with my daughter a couple of months ago and yeah. she loved it, and I thought it was okay, and she wants to keep watching, and I've been kind of dragging my heels. I, it's not really my thing. I like it enough, but it's not my favorite. But anyway, I haven't gotten to season three yet. But when I started researching uh-huh. you, I kept finding, uh, like on YouTube, videos of Phone to Phone having come from Stranger Things season three. Yeah. And I thought, well, yeah. he must be kind of enjoying maybe a little bit of a resurgence. I know the guys who make that. I don't know them personally. I know the people who make that show curate the music of that show very passionately. And so the fact that you made it through on the air is kind of a miracle. Yes. I'm very honored to, to have been chosen for that show. Cause I, I really actually, I watched season one and two, my wife and I did both you? did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we liked it. You know, it was it was entertaining. Uh-huh. Not one of my favorites, but it was entertaining. And right. um, she likes Winona Ryder a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, I th- I think I was really when they called me and said that they wanted to use that song, I was very floored. I was happy, and uh, it is kind of a resur- resurgence, you know, of phone to phone, which I, I and then anyway. So I have all my songs on there, including some of my night by night stuff on there even though the recordings are owned by universal music who now owns capital and emi and all that right so um i had to share with Mm -hmm. them (laughs) yeah i was gonna say did you get a decent you know some mailbox money when they picked phone to phone for the show (laughs) yeah you know i can buy the stamps now (laughs) (laughs) that's great you know, nice. I mean, uh-huh. that's about it, man. I'm telling okay. you, it it is what it is. I'll take it because of the credit, and yeah. and it is it it's it's it was okay, but not to the degree that they got. 
It was like 80-20, maybe 80-20. Really? Yeah, man. Oh, that's I know, but I know. But they they wanted to use that particular recording. And I do not have another recording of phone to phone Mm. worth uh, presenting. Yeah. So and once you know, once they own the masters, the 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 recording that were done at Capitol at the time, mm-hmm. you know, produced by Richie Zito and Michael Sondelli and da 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 and this and that, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get those that recording sounding like it did back then, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So they wanted to use it, and I said, "Yeah, go for it," mm-hmm. and I'll take whatever. So yeah, okay. Um, I have a couple more questions about that. Number one, how did you get hooked up with Richie Zito? I mean, he, uh, oh, he's kind yeah. of, you know, he's done a lot of really good stuff. And around the time of you, he was working with Berlin and the motels yeah. and uh, yeah. you're, you're in there. How did this happen? So we got signed to Manhattan mm-hmm. and Bruce Garfield, who was a BNR guy for Manhattan records at the time. And Bruce had actually, <laughs> I knew him from before because when we were when when Vic Vergat was on Capitol, Bruce came on the road with us, and so I knew Bruce Bruce pretty good from just mm. hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Richie Zito became interested in our music and came to see us and offered to produce us, and you know we kind of worked it out. There was a few producers that wanted to to do it. So we were fortunate, you know, at the time we were like the happening thing in L.A. Yeah. So we got three or four really good producers and we chose Richie Zito. That's because I like what he did with the motels and Berlin and what he did with a bunch of other people, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember sitting in the studio with him and him looking at at the um, at a magazine that had, you know, the top hundred Mm -hmm. and outlining everything that he had done and it was like about three outlines and i go what you do what you do in that one? Oh, i i produced that one and i did this on this one and i i'm going crap that's pretty good yeah must wow. be nice yeah no kidding do you have a richie zito story i don't know let, let me preface this by saying i don't know how yeah. crazy these times were i don't know if uh you know, if it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or if it was a little more serious-minded than that. I'm just imagining L.A. in the 80s, guys like yeah. you just having a blast yeah. every day, you know? But well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't okay. know. And when I say, is there a story, it doesn't have to be that kind of a story. I'm just wondering, you know, what was fun? What's interesting about that time? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, one story that we had was... And I'll tell you this, I think I can. We were in the studio and at Capitol, Studio B. I loved it there. And um, Michael Frondelli was uh, engineering and Richie was there. And I can't remember his name. We had a guy that used to hang out with us. He was actually in the video with us that we did. Mm-hmm. And we were partying a little bit. And, and so I said, hey, you know, I don't want to just party with a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. How about you going out there and, and seeing what you can do and bring back some cute girls or something. Mm-hmm. So he did. And he brought back like, <laughs> like a, a half a dozen really good looking women. And we just partied in that studio go. B. And <clears throat> I have to tell you though, Richie Zito 
sat back with his arms crossed, observing it all like he was like some manager looking, <laughs> making sure that we were okay. <laughs> That's you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It was it was funny. It was like, okay, Richie, come on, Richie, get get into this action over here. Right. You know, and he's probably and seen it, it all like, before. We, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it wasn't like on the road, like it, it gets crazy and all uh -huh. that stuff. It was, it was just we were having fun, having a couple of beers. You know, that was about it. Just okay. No, no. I remember he used to show up in his Porsche. Oh my God, mm. it was happening. Uh, I mean, yeah. in the parking lot of Studio of um, Capital, right? And uh -huh. he would show up in his Porsche with his, at the time in the eighties, some kind of really cool uh stereo mm. uh, that he would have like this push button thing and i mean i was so going like oh my god i want that so bad <laughs> you know yeah and he i mean he would he would actually the mixes he would take them onto his car and go okay mm -hmm. this one's good this one's good this one needs this let's do mm -hmm. this to that one mm -hmm. so sense. yeah some of the life by night stuff which i hear and I, at the time i'm going eh I don't know. This could be this and that. It's too clean. This yeah. and that. Because I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, John. I had this producer from New York, and I can't think of his name. My friend, Kim Bullard, who's oh. Elton John's keyboard player for yeah. a long time. Yeah, I was say, I know that name. He actually, he actually produced, and we recorded three songs. It was crazy because we were playing Life by Night. At the time, it was called The Touch. Mm. We were the touch. And we were oh. playing all the Red Onions in L.A. There was like two or three of them. We were going back and forth, and it was it was pretty good at the time. We were going to Hitman Studios in Hollywood after hours. They, we would char they would charge us, I think it was $40 an hour. Or no, uh -huh. $20 an hour. $20 uh -huh. an hour. And Kim Bullard with... Uh, the whole band would go in there and we would do overdubs until like we would go from like two to six in the morning mm. and we did we did the the three songs demo that got interest from all these different producers the one producer that came up to me and said you have to keep this raw you have to get that feeling that you had in those in those demos which Richie kind of did but it was I'll tell you, the difference between the three songs that I did that got me signed to Life by Night record uh -huh. was that the three songs had a, a more of an edge, uh. a lot, a lot more of an edge, which is from my heavy metal sort of yeah. the background, because yep. I do have that in my blood. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. I wonder. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I wondered. Um, I got to be honest, one of the songs on, one of my favorite songs on that album is Nonstop World.
And I, whenever I listen to that, I think, how is this yeah. not? How was this not a single? You know? Yeah. I mean, that to me sounds like the perfect second single off of that album, yeah. and um, it's peppy. It sounds like what's. It sounds like the really great pop rock music that's happening at the time. So funny, you video. should say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, that's some other guy from A and M Records said the same thing. Really. That yes. you did, yeah. It's obvious. He came up here and says, "Man, that the record is, uh, is Richie Zito. That's Richie Zito. Yeah. That's his. That's his part. Really? Yep. Interesting. He okay. kind of come up with that. We had a the whole song that we were playing <clears throat> when we were playing it live was um, had kind of a. Berlin sort of throughout. And so he broke it down and he did his own thing to it. And that was that record I I have to say has the most Richie Zito influence. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did that did that album ever make it even onto C D? Well, so I was at Capitol Records doing some backgrounds and some singing about um, what two three years ago and that's when i found out that universal was where my where the tracks were mm. at universal so I, I i called this um person at universal and he requested he's the one that was responsible for digitizing the music he found the tracks and digitized mm. the music and which is which is now out everywhere it's on mm -hmm. spotify it's all over the place now but yeah, no, it wasn't actually, John. It wasn't digitized until about, um, I'm going to say three, four years ago. Okay. I and, then it, and then it got digitized. And, and then now it's like all, all over. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah, okay. but it was just vinyl. It was just vinyl at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wondered. It seems like one of those things that just kind of got lost for years, you know? Hard to find, It really, it really did. Yeah. So Very uh, obscure. So Tom, what? How do you jumping to the current day? How do, you mentioned playing in Capitol Records a couple of years ago? How do you make a living today? What do you do? Honestly, I became um, a licensed social worker. Mm, I wonder. I actually okay. became became I'm licensed clinical social worker to this day. I'm still licensed, which was something that I was very interested in. I went back to school and got into stats into mathematics. I really like mathematics and stats, mm. believe it or not. Wow. I didn't know what I was going to, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Uh, and then I discovered psychology and I, I was able to use it in that. And then I wanted, to, I needed to get a master's because I knew that at the time, this was in 95, that's when I graduated. Mm. I, I need a, you need a master's these days to do anything, you know? So mm -hmm. I got my master's and honestly, I started working for the County of Los Angeles. Wow. Good for you, man. Yeah. And that, and so now I'm retired. Really? Yes. Good for you. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, John, I have so many friends that have been, that have done so well in this industry. They have gotten, you know, where yeah. maybe a record phone to phone would have been a hit, for example, or, I have friends that that, are, that have done a lot more than I have done musically. And I am in better 
with economical yeah. means right now yeah. than a lot of them because I I because I got frustrated and I got angry with the music industry. Actually, it wasn't because I I wanted to to make money or anything. I just I just didn't want anything to do with the music. I was angry at yeah. the fact that I had you know I had gotten I had invested so much of my life in uh, what I felt was some good songs and. It didn't happen, and I was just frustrated and just depressed. Yeah. So I didn't feel like playing in any bars anymore, even though I started playing with Flo and Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is really nice. So yeah, so I went back to school, and I honestly I don't have any regrets. Good. I, at all. Yeah. Good. Okay. And I have friends friends that are that are uh, these days that I play with once in a while. Mm. that will call me and who have had records, you know, um, and they are waiting, honestly, mm. I'll say this, they're waiting for their next gig. They're yeah. waiting for the phone to ring. Right. Right. And you know, I get, I get the phone rings and I don't necessarily have to take it. Yeah. If, Boy, if I don't want to. That is, uh, I mean, I, that is such a huge statement. What you just said, you know, you managed to kind of blaze your own trail and uh, it's put you in the power position where you're not waiting for the phone to ring. If it does, that's a nice bonus. But you've got it. Right. You've got your life locked down one way or the other. That's huge right. in this industry. I know, bro. I know. Wow. I, know. I'm, I'm, I consider myself as lucky, and I have my mother to think about that because she got me to school right after high school, and then I, I had my taste of that, and I knew that I could go back and finish at any time, so I did. Hmm. How's uh, Juan doing? Yeah. What's what's, is, oh, what's Juan up he to is, now? I'm so proud of him. I am so proud of him. He's doing so good. He's uh, Rat has been kicking ass around mm -hmm. here. I don't know if you've heard, but they've got a few shows around here lately. And I, I saw the uh, Good Morning LA or whatever it is, Good Day LA on, on Fox recently, mm. them playing live at the station, and they sounded great. Good. It's him and Piercy pretty much just holding down the fort. Uh, yeah. They got a killer drummer, Pete. I love Pete's playing, man. Yeah, and the guitar, both of the guitar players are kicking it, killing it. I mean, so yeah, he's doing, he's really happy. He's, I'm really happy for him. Good. Good. I wondered. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to ask you for some stories. I, I um, <laughs> and, and again, and I don't know, you know, you pick. They don't, I'm not asking. I'm not saying specifically like X-rated stories. Just fun stories, yeah. memories you have. Let's start with Robert Tepper because yeah. I love him and I've had him on the show a couple of yeah. times. And uh, yeah. do you have a Robert Tepper story for us? Robert, he's such a nice guy. You know, he's he is killer singer. I love his singing. Great writer too. Mm -hmm. Really super great writer. And um, we played. I've done two shows with him at at the um, at the whiskey. Good. I'll go here in L.A. Huh. Yeah, we got together and just played. He usually hires some really good musicians, and I'm honored to be part of those. I, you probably and know so, this. Yeah. The, the videos of him doing No Easy Way Out at the Whiskey, those things go viral. i got to watch it again now that I know you're I've the been, guy in the I've video. Been <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been one of them, yeah. I, I'm actually both of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but he's he's super nice. I don't really have any any stories other than we'll be backstage ready to go on, and he's just doing some. There's a girl singer, and I think she's 
she's really good at um she teaches singing so she she'll have him doing some extra some breathing exercises mm, and they're, they're kind of they're kind of funny they're a little funny <laughs> 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 it's almost like someone having sex backstage or something you know? <laughs> it's oh, weird great. it's okay. weird good uh mm. tell us about scorpions and being on the blackout <clears throat> album i mean that thing is huge yeah no one like you not to mention yeah one of the most iconic album covers of all time how did you even get involved yeah I was with Victor Gass mm -hmm. in Cologne, Germany, 19, 1980, 19, 1980, I think it was. And um, we were stationed, I'm going to say stationed because, <clears throat> man, waiting for a tour to begin in, in Germany is like being in the army or something. You're just <sighs> like, I don't know, it's just kind of strange. You know, you get to know the people, but it's I got homesick. So I was I was in my hotel and Dieter Derricks, who um, also produced Vic Brigat, uh, asked me to come over and see if I could play on a couple of tracks of the Scorpions. And so I went over and played on a couple of songs. I can't remember which songs I played on first. And I had he had given me some actually he had actually brought to my hotel a cassette of the tunes with a, with no bass on them. So I kind of messed around with the tunes. I went in and Dieter had some ideas. They were We incorporated his ideas into my playing. I played a couple of tracks. It was just me and Dieter in the studio and Chavez Regal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. He likes to, he likes to Chavez. He likes to Chavez. I, well, he did at the time. I don't know now. But anyway. <laughs> so... So we so we did like a couple of tracks and and I guess some of the Scorpion guys heard it and they liked it and they invited me to play on a couple more tunes. So I kept going back every weekend whenever because Vic and I and me and Bobby we would rehearse during the week and so I had the weekend free and I would just go over to the Dieter studio and I ended up playing on eight songs on that record. Huh. So it was it was really fun. Um, they cut me a deal. I got some money. I nice. should have taken a point, but you know, such yeah. is life at <laughs> at my age. I yeah. just wanted the money. I did, I didn't know it was going to be you know huge like it was. Yeah. I got back into L.A. and it was 1981, and I'm thinking, 
all of a sudden I hear no one like you on the radio and I'm going, shit, that's me. <laughs> oh, God damn it, I should have gotten the point. You know? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Mama. You know, uh, but, this, this, this makes me wonder if starting your own band like Life by Night, if it yeah. hadn't done that, do you think there might have been more opportunities like this? Do you think you would have continued being the call-on bass guy for bands like Dokken or Scorpions or whatever? Or was that were these just sort of isolated incidences? It's uh, it's funny you mention that because I did play uh, on the uh, Dokken record at me and Bobby did. Uh, on Paris and Stick to Your Guns and then another song. At Dieter Derrick Studio, by the way, mm. because because Dieter owed Don Dawkin a favor for finding me and Bobby Blotzer <laughs> for Vic Bergat. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> isn't that funny? Oh, that's wild. <laughs> so so yeah. So anyway, so Don got to record at Dieter Studio, and that's how he got signed to Career Records. Breaking mm. the Chains was doing those three songs. Okay. Uh, it was, it was Paris and Stick to Your Guns and can't remember the other song that he did, but that got the interest in Career Records at the time. Yeah. But anyway, so there was some stuff. I'll be honest with you, John. There's some stuff that I can't really talk about about mm-hmm. the Scorpions and what happened with me and the Scorpions at that okay. time. That definitely would have changed the course of time had yeah. some incidents happened or not happened. Okay. And Fair it has to do with some personal stuff, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Uh, uh, no, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Okay. You don't have to. You say whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, what else? Do you have any... I mean, I don't know. You were a good-looking guy in L.A. in the 80s. Did you have any famous girlfriends? Did you party with anyone else? Do you have any other like feet Waybill stories? I mean, you know, share, oh share what God. you want. It's just there's there's there was a lot of stuff going down in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Life by Night record, I got involved with this really nice guy, Kenny Rubin, who did some stuff around L.A. and we almost got signed again to I can't remember what label. But I got involved with Gene Black, who played guitar for um, Joe Cocker. So we we did a bunch of stuff around around L.A. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you one story. Okay, so I, okay. I, I'm on the road with 
I, I went on the road with Rat. Mm-hmm. My brother says, you got to come on the road with us. <laughs> I can only and, imagine um, what that must have been like. Wow. Oh, my God. It <laughs> was crazy. I mean, it was it was like, it was pretty nuts. So I was partying with with uh, Robin and, and Piercy and mm-hmm. my brother and everybody else that came on the bus. And so I was with them for like maybe a week. I think I lost like about 15 pounds. <laughs> and... And, and I was getting ready to come back on the, uh, and, and I think that they were going to go on another flight. They, they were going to, they were, we were at the airport and they were going to go on another flight. And Robin turns to me and he says, it was great to have you. And he shakes my hand and I noticed there's something in his hand and he hands me a whole bunch of blow. <laughs> I'm going, dude. Are you kidding me? What am I going to do with this? So he says, "Just party, dude. Just take it with you. Party. You, uh-huh. you're awesome." Better about what I can't remember what he said. So I was crazy enough. I took it on the plane, pl- flying first class. Oh man! On a plane back from Florida to L.A the whole first class people that had anything going on, including the flight attendants partied with us. Really? (laughs) Yes. It was awesome. (laughs) I would, I would leave some, some powder stuff, some cocaine, I'll Uh say cocaine uh in the bathroom. And the flight attendant would go, okay, so is is it my turn yet? And I go, yeah, it's your turn. It's in the bathroom. Go ahead. It was, we had a, killer time so i'm landing in la it's like sunrise and every nobody slept Uh (laughs) we had a killer time it was fun oh it's the best that's one of the best stories anyone's told on this show i love it that is great are you serious oh yeah because i'm always asking you know i just want to know what comes to mind when people are you know when you look back on your careers what's the craziest memory and that's one of them oh that is great that is great. Good for you. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this. I mean, as, I'm just going to say it. Have you, I'm guessing Stephen Piercy has an effect on women unlike most rock stars that have ever been, you know? I mean, you've probably seen yeah. this firsthand. Am I right or, or wrong? Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I thought so. He does. He I does. So. That guy. Trust me, he does. <laughs> I believe it. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I don't know if there's anything left in the tank, story-wise, for you to share with us. If so, go for it. My little brother, actually, Rick, plays drums. So, in the in the um, in the '90s, I did a few records at one studio, and for this uh, Japanese artist. And Jay Shellen was playing drums and um, the singer for for Foreigner now, Kelly Hansen, mm. was singing it. Wow. He sang. We did two two records, really good. I was really pleased with them. And Jay Shellen actually played, I think he played on, did he play on both? I can't remember if he played on both or my little brother played on one of them. Okay. And 
and that was that was really actually a lot of fun that I forgot to mention in the nineties where when I would uh we were doing some work at Juan's house. He's got a really nice studio up there in, in Palos Verdes and uh, it sounded really good. He's got a great sounding drum room. We got huh. some killer drums there. And my little brother kicked ass on this record that we did, another record that we did called Section Eight. Mm. Um, up there, he just killed it on that record. And it's, if anybody wants to hear some heavy stuff, listen to Section Eight. It's badass. Cool. It's like uh, Lincoln Park before Lincoln Park. Whoa! Um, All right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, and okay. so I got my little brother to play on, to play on uh, with the Turtles. Actually, I got him the gig. Huh. Back in back in ninety. 697 he started playing with the turtles and he played with me for a long many years there that's wild do you um you mentioned being retired do you have kids i do i do i have uh um a soon-to-be 20 year old oh uh male son mm -hmm. yeah and then another older one and they one lives here in la and then the other one my younger one lives in new york upstate new york with his oh, mom man I know, uh, yeah. It's that's a, another long story. I believe it. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, thanks, Tom. Anyways, John, this was a lot of fun. I really, welcome. really appreciate it. I love it. Me too. It was, it was fun. It was Good. Great reminiscing with you, man. Yeah. I was curious yeah. what the life by night story would be, and I'm glad I, glad I know it now. Yeah. Well, thank you for so much for inviting me to your show. I'm Absolutely. really glad you did that. There you have it, Tom Crucier. Wasn't that interesting? Such a nice guy. And what a story, right? So I want to close it out with the song Life by Night by the band Life by Night off the album called Life by Night. Uh, that puts them up there in the, in the ranks with another band like Living in a Box. Remember them? Song Living in a Box, Album Living in a Box. There's got to be others. You guys remind me, who are some of the other people that follow that pattern? So classic. Anyway, hope you can track down Life by Night. It's a great album. Uh, now, next week. So, look, we're kicking off 2020 with a bunch of some of the best interviews we've ever had. And I, and I hear from a lot of you that I know that some of your favorite episodes are with the producers or the session guys because there's so many fun stories to tell. That's what we have a lot of coming in the next couple of months. So when you see a name that pops up in the feed and you don't recognize that name, trust me that it's probably a songwriter, a producer, a session musician, a sound mixer, whatever it is. And there are tons of great stories that are going to be accompanying this guy's interview. Okay. And next week we start with one of the most prominent songwriters. Well, Maybe that's overstating it. This guy has written several songs that you would know, uh, especially in the 80s, but it goes way beyond that. So he's got so many stories to tell. It is excellent. I don't know if you'll know the name or not, but you will definitely know a lot of this guy's music. It's so much fun. Okay? So we're kicking off 2020 big. You'll want to come back and listen to these, I promise. 
Huge thanks, as always, to my partner in crime, my right-hand man, Jan the Man Makevich. Thank you, buddy, for all that you do. I'm so grateful that we're partners on this. We couldn't do this without you, obviously. Uh, you guys know how to find our page on Facebook. You can like it. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at the Hustle Pod. By the way, Yan and I are recording our end-of-the-year recap. Uh, I think Sunday the 5th. Is that the date? I don't remember. Um, and we want to hear from you what your favorite episodes of the year were so that we can count them down when we count down our own top 10 episodes of the year. So please send us a message on Facebook, an email, a tweet, whatever you want to do. Let us know what your favorite episodes of the year were. If you want to rank them, that's even better. And uh, we will factor those into the final voting and we'll count down that list when we get to it, okay? Thank you, everybody, for a fantastic year. We love you.